Episode 95 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast was episode 96 of Free Man Beyond the Wall, featuring the brilliant Mance Raider. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you to the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. This is your host, Mance Raider. Today I am talking to Anthony Samaroff. We talk about a bunch of subjects, but uh, we start off talking about Count Dankula. We talk about Lauren Southern not being allowed to enter the UK. And we get into some conversations about blowback and radical Islam. We talk about a bunch of things. So I'm going to let Anthony plug the things that he has going on right in the beginning. So let's just jump into this without any further delay. Here is Anthony Samaroff. So how are you doing today, Anthony? Great, thank you for having me on Freeman Beyond the Wall. I love what you're doing. You've, you're a unique voice in liberty and the interesting topics you choose for your podcast. You've always got something slightly esoteric or outside of the norm to talk about. And I think that's great. Well, I do appreciate that. I know that you, you are in Scotland and you have your own podcast. And uh, go ahead and, and tell us right now uh, what what you're doing over there. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm known for being the co-host of the Scottish Liberty podcast, along with Tam Laird, Tom Laird, and uh, that came to people's attentions on the Tom Woods show and School Sucks and other things like that. And uh, I also have a personal development podcast called Be Yourself, and uh, which people can also check out in iTunes if they're interested in personal development. In fact, you can find links to everything that I do in my free book, Procrastination Annihilation, which you download from beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it. In that book, I've got links to both my podcasts and all my other work. So if people like me, then they'll know where to find me. Excellent. I'm glad we could get that. I'm glad you could get that out up front so people can check it out. All right. So when we decided that we were going to talk, I obviously, with you being in Scotland, I wanted to talk to you about uh, everything that's happening with Count Dankula. So I guess what what I would first ask is, is is that is that a good example of what the culture has come to in Great Britain? I think it's definitely in the lead of what the culture has come to. Recently, Lauren Southern, the alt-right YouTuber, was banned from the UK for a stunt she pulled where they handed out flyers saying that Allah was for gays as well as straight people and Allah could have been a gay god, which was a satire of something that was done about Jesus, her being a Christian, she took offence or umbrage to that and wanted to show the double standard. And yes, she was unceremoniously banned from the UK. Count Dankula taught a pug to do a salute in response to the terms Zekeil and Gas the Jews. Okay, pretty untasteful. Um, however, it was a joke. He did it to annoy his girlfriend and he said up front, my girlfriend cares more about her dog than me. She keeps on saying how cute it is. So I thought, what's the least cute thing in the world? Well, a Nazi. So I'm going to teach her cute dog to be a Nazi. And no point would anyone think that this was inciting racial hatred. Uh, an off-taste joke, but do you know what we do with off-taste jokes? We... Um, or we, we just don't expose themselves to, to them. You, if you don't like the jokes that people make, you can decide not to associate with that person. Hell, you can tell others to associate with him. He says unsavory things. But I think locking someone up at public expense for what amounts to an off-taste joke is frankly ridiculous. And yeah, we've got social justice warrior culture here. We've, uh, I thought, we're, I don't know whether we're ahead or behind you, um, but we've had protests on campuses here, not as, maybe not to the degree in the West. I certainly know that Edinburgh is a hotbed for teaching the radical intersectional ver version of feminism, teaching people that they're oppressed. And they're largely class people who've got good incomes and are getting their education for free, by the way. You get higher education for free in the UK, which basically is tantamount 
people taxing working class people who go straight out of school into a job and work for their education. So it's like, yeah, I mean, if that's your definition of oppressed, looting other people for your personal benefit, then we've gone quite a long, uh, a far way down. I don't think that people realise how lucky they are to live in the 21st century where you you know you've got a flush toilet a vacuum cleaner a dishwasher a washing machine you can you've got huge amounts of leisure time which you can choose to do anything you want with all the music's free online podcasts everything um you can learn skills it's like the the notion Okay, there is a form of oppression because if you do get a job, you're taxed um, at an extraordinary rate on your income. At this stage, anyone would coming forth. And here's the ironic thing. It's like if you work for a capitalist who gives you a job, apparently he's oppressing you. But, you know, the the government, even though that's voluntary, but the government taxing you 30, 40, 50% of your income which isn't voluntary, that's not oppression. Do you know what I mean? So that's one form. We've got the economic oppression and obviously the crackdowns on free speech. Um, I'm really pleased that Oxford University Union, one of the most prestigious universities in the country, is having the most controversial speakers come to their union to give talks and answer Q&As and then putting them in YouTube in this climate to see that is awesome. They've had Anne Coulter, someone that I'm not a huge fan of because of her advocacy for the wars, but it's great that she's having them. Tommy Robinson, uh, a, a person who's been very unspoken about Muslim culture in the UK, and he's been attacked for his views. Some people say he's a racist, but they whatever you think of him, they had him give a talk and they put it on YouTube. So I'm glad to see that there's some bastions of sanity within the university system in the UK where they're saying, well, why don't we actually listen to people what what they have to say and we can ask critical questions afterwards and most of the questions were critical. So there's good things and bad things happening. All right, there's there's a bunch of questions that could be asked about what you just said. I guess one of the first questions I want to ask is, when it comes to this culture of, you know, watch what you say, you can get in trouble, has that invaded private business and corporation over there? Is it, um, ha- has this kind of... No. Es- Go ahead. Go ahead. I've not heard of anyone being asked to bake a gay wedding cake and refusing in the UK. I don't think we're even as religious here as you guys are over in the States, broadly speaking. However, there's things like uh, a supermarket don't have anything labelled Easter eggs. They're only labelled holiday eggs or whatever, chocolate eggs. I think, and that's again, you know, oh, Easter, it's not secular. So I think, I mean... I'm from a Jewish background myself, and even though I'm a heathen, right? And my co-host the other day made some joke uh, when we were when we were covering Dankula, right? Okay, and I laughed, you know, some Jew, some off-taste joke about us people having big noses or something like that. Now, someone can choose not to listen into our podcast after hearing that, but. What the reason I remark on it is a friend of mine saying, seriously, does Tam feel safe? say making a joke like that on the internet under the current climate and the worrying thing is as you say watch what you say it's the threat of force being used against you for saying unsavory things it's not that it's being applied continuously it's the fear that people will just shut up people will just not say unpopular views because they're afraid of the backlash you know and, um, you know, I experienced some of that myself when I was at university. I made some off-color joke on Facebook and I got mobbed for it, partly by people who went to my university. I wasn't expecting it. And it made me seriously scared to post certain things for a couple of years. It was scary because this was before the whole social justice warrior culture had manifested as a phenomenon. Right. Nowadays, 
I would have just been like, lol, yeah, I'm so sexist, you know, I'm sure I'm sexist, because obviously anyone who knows me knows that, I'm, you know, I had messages from female friends being like, uh, telling me, this is ridiculous, Anthony, you, you're the least sexist person I know, but the thing is, at the time it was scary, now whenever anyone calls someone a racist online, they're just like, haha, yeah, whatever, this is what the social justice warriors have done, because there are some people who actually are racists, but they've made the word racist and Nazi and uh, anti-Islamophobic, um, they've made these words completely and utterly meaningless because they just throw them around so flagrantly. Uh, so I guess we don't really know how badly it's affecting business, to answer your question, because we don't know what people are not doing that they would otherwise be doing if it wasn't for this culture. Because it's a culture of silence. Mm. All right. Then let's talk about, you mentioned Lauren Southern. I, I had a question uh, about that. I know she's a Canadian citizen, and they're, they're under the crown. Would it, does she even, it, it, say she wasn't a controversial figure or anything like that, um, is travel between Canada and Great Britain just basically open? You don't need to need a passport or anything like that? No, I think you need a passport um, to, to travel. It's very, very difficult to immigrate from North America or Australia or New Zealand to the UK. It's like if you come from anywhere in the European Union, you can immigrate here easily. We took quite a lot of Syrian refugees in, but it's really, really weird. It's like um, the it's very difficult for people to immigrate from English-speaking nations to other speak English-speaking nations. I mean, uh, I've got a friend working in New York. Uh, it was really, really difficult for him to get a green card. Like, I don't know why this is. I mean, it gives credence to these conspiracy theory theories about, you know, the, the alt-right conspiracy theories about the death of Western civilization and stuff like that. And it, it's not a death, it's like suicide. I mean, we spend ridiculous amounts of money locking people up for victimless crimes. We go and bomb the crap out of the Middle East, uh, creating refugee crises, then let every, then let all, all the people in with no integration policy, no way of teaching them English so they don't have skills, they can't uh, easily get a job. It's like, you know, what the hell are we doing? Like, and you're not allowed to speak about this stuff because if you speak about it, then you're Islamophobic, right? That's not even a word. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't well, even recognize that as a word. It's just, it, it's just, it's, it's one of those buzzwords that somebody created just so that they could demonize other people. Right, and it's like the thing is, uh, a phobia is an irrational fear. Okay. There is something like 2 billion Muslims in the world, and it's like even if there's a percentage of them, right, who would think that I deserve the death sentence for saying this, for just saying this, right, because you're not allowed to slander Islam. Now, even if that's 0.1 of a percent, that's still millions of people in the world. Now, see if you went down to the bar tonight Mance and a friend of yours was like hey Mance there was a guy in here that said do you know have you seen Mance around recently and they were like no no he's not been in for a while he's like well see when you do see him tell him that I'm going to come and I'm going to kick his head in right you'd be a scared you'd be scared of that right yeah so so the fact that there's literally millions of people in the world who think that me making these remarks on Islam should should get me the death sentence. You know, that's not a phobia. And it's like, I, I technically, as a libertarian-minded person, you know, with, um, be it not for the, the welfare state and free schools and hospitals and things like that, I'm for people immigrating to live wherever they, they, they choose, wherever they're, they're able to. But under the current system, it's like, you, you, you can't do that because you're basically creating creating problems and I, I was dragged kicking and screaming to the from being an open borders libertarian to to taking a more I'd say sensible or rational view of the issue I mean don't get me wrong we've got a, a very bright friend in the Scottish Libertarian Party who's a Muslim and uh, he, he's he's 
he's great. He's so bright. He's studying um, in Prague right now, studying Austrian economics. Like, uh, so it's obviously it's not really about being Muslim or anything like that. It's about like how can you sustain a social fab. There needs to be some kind of integration policy under the current system, and. I mean, some people say, well, just bring them all in and let the welfare state collapse. But it's not like the welfare suddenly you have anarcho-capitalism. Do you know what I mean? It's not like if you burnt down all the churches, everyone would suddenly become atheists. It's ridiculous, you know. Well, um, well let me ask you, because I've wanted to ask people. Um, I've wanted to ask someone who's living in an area where there tends to be, um, you know, yeah, you know, we've seen we've seen uh, attacks by Islamic extremists extremists in Great Britain, um, Sweden. It, Sweden is undergoing serious problems. Why do you think it is that if a, a bunch of Muslims go to Sweden or they go to Great Britain, why do you think they have a more of a tendency to you have a, more of a tendency to see violence than when they come here? Because we don't, and when they come to the state, yeah. Because you know, I mean, we've had you know, we've had San Bernardino, and we've had um, you know the, the Orlando shooter, you know, who who claimed you know who, you know who basically pointed towards um, American involvement in uh, you know, American what what we call blowback theory, American involvement in the Middle yeah. East. But for the most point, most of these you know most people who emigrate from Muslim countries and come here. They integrate a lot better and actually become, mm. you know, have a tendency to become pretty um, successful and do right. you know, do pretty well. So why do you? What do you think is the difference? I mean, is it the culture? Do we integrate better? Or I mean, from what I've heard in Sweden, they let people in and then they just throw them into a neighborhood, which you know you could actually use the word ghetto from things that I've described. They don't right. teach them. They don't well, teach them Swedish. They don't teach them English, which you know the Swedes both speak. And then they just give them you know give them welfare and give them handouts and you know there's yeah, there's no integration. It's like having another. It's almost like having another country inside your country. Another and or and another and so, another culture inside your culture. Instead of assimil- right. instead and, of and assimilating them to the culture like you know we do here. Yeah, and some people are now saying that it's racist to ask people to assimilate. It's like I don't know where these people get off. The thing is, I don't really know the answer to your question. It might be something to do with the American dream and for a long time we saw, you know, people Hispanic people so forth coming to America wrapping themselves in American flags and saying I love this country you know I wanted my whole life to come here and things like that not but the thing is the the, the majority of Muslims in Great Britain are integrated it, it, do you know what I mean? the, the majority it's not like the majority of Muslims here are going to go and commit violence that's not how it works but the thing is there's enough there's enough people who are causing trouble. And again, as you say, it's the West has not got its hands clean in these topics. Like the US, the UK has had a very close relationship with Saudi Arabia, the most oppressive, most tyrannical Islamic regime that opens these Wahhabi extremist schools all over the Middle East to teach the most radical and violent form of Islam we've invaded Muslim countries and taken out secular dictator, uh, secular dictators to make way for waves of extremist power and proselytize so it's like this is why I say it's suicide it's not like the death of the west it's like we're ta- we're, we've been pursuing at least in 1953 when the US um, took Mohammed Mossadegh out of power in Iran um, against their own interests. We intervened in Kosovo on behalf of an, a, a radical Islamic faction um, under the guise of saying, well, Slobodan Milosevic is um, terrorizing these people when actually far more people were killed after the bombings, the NATO bombings began than before. So it's not like I'm saying it's so hard to look at this world 
when uh, and this is this is the problem we have, which is both the left and the right on this issue are correct on what they affirm, but they are wrong on what they deny. Between uh, foreign intervention and blowback, and the left are denying the fact that if you go straight to the Islamic doctrine, if you read the biography of Muhammad, you will find a... Cause People think that Islam is like Christianity. Christianity is the worship of God through Christ, right? They think that Islam is just the worship of, Maha- uh, of Allah. It's not. Islam is the worship of Allah and the emulation of Muhammad. So if you want to know what Islam is all about, read the biography of Muhammad because he's meant to have lived the perfect life and every Muslim should emulate him. But there's lots of violence in his life. He's doing it in lots of things. So therefore, you can find a pretext in that doctrine for violence. Now, people like my friend in the Scottish Libertarian Party has an interpretation of, Mus- of Islam, which he says is the correct one, which is everything needs to be taken in the context of the time when it was written. So yes, uh, uh, Muhammad did these things, but they were in the context of the time of jihad. Now, we're not in that time, therefore, Islam is a religion of peace and so forth and what have you. But, and the more people who take that view, the better. That's great. And the unfortunate thing is I come back to the fact that out of two billion, believe in the more ra- radical version, then that's enough to be worried. Oh, I was going to mention... I read Scott Horton's book, Fool's Errand, and I started listening to it. He he put it out on audiobook, and I've been listening to it all morning. And he points out in the first book, in the first chapter, um, the um, studies that have been done and just by, you know, looking at the biographies of people that, you know, like committed the 9-11, the 19 on 9-11 and all sorts of suicide bombers. And it turns out a lot of these people are not even strictly religious. They're not. Okay. A lot of them aren't. A lot of them aren't Islamic fundamentalists. Um, they're taking they're, they're taking orders from people who can uh, who, who lean that way in 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 many in um, in many cases. But you know, a lot of these are actually highly educated in the West people who. Are doing this for political reasons, and they, you know, and sure, you know, just like just like moderate Christians, you know, every once in a while, I'll 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 throw out a um I'll I'll throw out a Bible verse to you know if someone asks me why I believe something, and I'll throw out a Bible verse to you know say hey look you know this is this is what Christ said said to do, and I think it makes a lot of sense, and I'll I'll do it, but I, I think that. Especially since 9-11, a lot of the research that's been done is that, you know, a lot of these people who are, who are doing, committing some of the worst atrocities, even blowing themselves up, are, are doing it for, are doing it for politics, uh, you know, are, are doing it for their, you know, for the, um, what does, uh, Bin Laden, how he referred to, you know, he didn't see a difference between Saudi Arabia and, and Kuwait and all those other countries, they were, you know, that, that's like a holy triangle over there. And, you know, so he was, you know, he looked at it from a religious thing, but I mean, a bunch of the 9-11 hijackers were coke snorting, uh, whoremongers. And these, you know, so it's, I, I think it has to, I, I think that in, in a lot of cases, and in most cases, looking, looking at blowback theory, is is very yeah. important. You can't it, it can't be discounted. I mean, there's um, there's a lot of you know, there there are Christians who have gotten violent and you know and decided they were gonna you know they were gonna do things under the guy you know under the guise of just cherry picking certain um, certain verses you know from the Bible even from the New Testament. So I mean, I don't know if we can. <laughs> Yeah, there definitely, yeah, no. there definitely has to, you know, we, we does, 
is there a section of Islam and especially Wahhabism? I mean, I know, I, I know that that's that's very that's very radical. But I mean, w- w- you've really seen that amped up and brought into the public eye, especially yeah. since OPEC was formed and since um, since the United States and Saudi Arabia crawled in bed together, and you know the sure. the West the West was going the West is going to the East, and I mean, it's uh, I just I, I can't yeah. I, I I I can't you know as many Muslims as I know who are just you know regular dudes who you know some were born here some some came here and I mean they're just really regular dudes and they you know they're just going through life and working just like I am it's you know and then looking at the facts of um you know studies that have been done and uh yeah i i just have i have a hard time painting islam because and one of the reasons why is because i know i've studied the i've studied the bible the whole bible old testament new testament i know the new testament really well i mean i've i went to seminary for a while and i know that 90 90 to 95% of the christians in the united states are not following that book. They're not, you know, the ones who are 95 percent who are who are going to church on Sunday. They they're giving it lip service. It's tradition. It's not in their hearts. Right. So, you know, I really have to wonder how you know, so, yeah, how how much of yeah. you know, it's, it it has to be the same with Islam, especially from what we've seen from some uh, studies mm, that have been done. I'm not so sure. I mean, right. First of all, I. Uh, yeah, well, I call them cultural Christians. They're not necessarily true believers, or maybe they believe, but they don't feel because it's more they're cultural Christians. I think that it's an evidence that Muslims, at least in the UK, I can't speak for the US, tend to be a lot more devout, and uh, often even the younger generation is more devout. Yes, well, but the thing is, again, the UK is a very secular country compared to America. But yeah, I totally affirm what you're saying with the blowback stuff. I don't at all deny that. I mean, whenever anyone says to me, oh, it's nonsense, they're not, um, you know, the kind of Rudy Giuliani, are you saying, like, we're not, when Ron Paul said they're over here because we're over there, um, when anyone says that's a bunch of nonsense, I just say, well, look, it took... One event, which was 9-11, to convince the American people to go to war on Afghanistan and Iraq, right? Which led on to Syria and Libya as well. I mean, that's one event. Just imagine if you lived in one of these countries where they're bombing all the time. Like, they've been bombing for years. So many grievances, right? So you, you can't deny the blowback effect. I mean... You would be pissed off, so pissed off if someone dropped a bomb on your, you know, on your your house. I mean, pissed off is really like not even cutting it. Like we can't imagine the horror of like your children dying in an explosion, or uh, even the neighbors or someone you know. It's like, of course, there's a blowback effect. It's it's impossible to deny. So I I agree with you um, on this point, which is that we shouldn't be causing the problem in the first place. The only thing is that I think now that we have, unfortunately have caused the problem, um, it's like, how do we, how do we deal with the problem? Well, I, I guess you could, you could put things in context and say, well, you're more likely to die in a car crash than true. But the, the risk of an Islamic terrorist attack I, is that, that that then becomes the pretext for cracking down on civil liberties and the more fear-mongering and more interventions abroad is a spiraling out of control. So I, I don't know. It's, it's too mixed up. It's very hard to look at this world because we live in such a statist world. Like, it would be nice to look at individuals and individual actors because um, we are individualists as libertarians um, and yet the state forces us into these complex webs of 
problems created by coercion, which lead to other problems and the inevitable response is, well, we need more coercion to solve that problem. You know, um, we've not bombed enough, obviously, if they're coming over here. So we're, we're going to need to go and, you know, take out another regime to, to make the world safe for democracy or, or make sure that, you know, I don't know. It's insane. Yeah, it just I, spirals out of control. I mean, it, it's if you're bombing people, if, 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 if you're bombing people, I mean, and one of the greatest pictures I ever saw was uh, it was a modern jet fighter dropping a bomb on the Flintstones. And that's basically what what, mm. you know, what the West is doing, what what Britain and, yeah. you know, and the United States together, they're they're bombing people back into the Stone Age who already almost, yeah. you know, some of them already live in the Stone Age. Yeah. You know, they're and that's the way they choose to live. Yeah, we can't. Oh, okay. I was saying, no, go ahead. You were going to say something. Sure. We can't even imagine the horrors of these wars. I mean, the God War and them destroying power stations, uh, leaving the hospitals without electricity, like the indiscriminate killing, the drone bombing in Pakistan, the starvation in Yemen. We are so freaking lucky to live in the countries that we live in. Are. Could you imagine 24 and a half million people living in North Korea? It's easy to get caught up in our, our problems, but like when I have a conversation like this, it really brings it home to me how lucky we are. And it, it's sad about the foreign interventions because you feel so powerless. I was at school when we went to war in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I went out to the anti-war protests, and there were so many people, but we were in favour of the anti-war protests is that it's possible that we okay yeah I think it could be said for the protests is we might have prevented a third war I think the Bush administration would have loved to have gone into Iran but because the public didn't have an appetite for it they weren't able to so I don't know I don't know how successful we were it could have been a lot worse if we hadn't it's a shame because under the Bush era, it looked like there was a big movement towards freedom and the liberation of humanity, a lot of uh, protests about foreign policy, a lot of protests about the Patriot Act and the de development of the surveillance state. And yet, all of that disappeared as soon as Obama got into office, uh, leaving me to believe that it was not really a legitimate anti-war movement it was more of an anti-bush thing uh, an anti-republican thing so that's come back now under trump uh, who i'm by no means a fan of i've made my views on him very clear but it well, what, what's, what's come back the the anti-right you know the just basically the anti-right movement okay i was gonna say yeah the anti-right movement has definitely come back but the but unfortunately the anti-war movement from the left has not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very unfortunate. In fact, if there's one thing the media gave Trump props for, it was for bombing Syria. That's fucking crazy, man. That, yeah. is, that is insane. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. This is how far we've come. Now, I'm just hoping that we can do something to turn the tides, you know, that the next, the next stage will be better than the last stage. Yeah, it's, um, well, I wanted, there was something else I wanted to ask about, um, okay, so we've talked about what's happened with Count Dankula, we've talked about SJWs, we've talked about, you know, I mean, you, you, there, there is a problem with, with, um, with Muslim violence that, that's happening in Great Britain. If this, if none of this, I mean, if, say, Britain just decides that they're going to still keep backing the U.S. when it comes to the wars, and they just keep going down this path. I mean, where do you where do you see Great Britain? What are they going to look like in twenty years? Well, that's quite a fearful thought. I mean, it could basically what could happen in the West is the governments could go bankrupt. 
and then when people don't have their can't pick up their welfare checks, which so many people are now dependent on, they riot, and then the only reaction to that is to institute a police state. That's how bad it could get. I think hopefully that won't happen. I think the one thing that's doing us a lot of good in the world in terms of creating liberty is just the advanced technology has made everything so cheap that people can get by on a lot less. Like, I mean, without all the printing of money and the government intervening in the house market to keep house markets up and uh, banning us from buying stuff from the poorest countries in the world with their trade barriers and their tariffs and uh, all the ridiculous things, despite all zero uh, percent interest rates leading everyone to put money into the housing market that, uh, and um, all of these things increase the cost of living. But despite all of those government interventions, OK, I could also mention the high rates of taxation. Despite those government interventions increasing the cost of living, the cost of living has still managed to come down somewhat, and that's because of the advance of technology, thanks to what remains of the free market. With the advent of 3D printers and things like that, that may increase living standards of a degree that we might just get away with it. I don't know. Um, it might make the cost of living so cheap that people don't really need to work for many hours to to make a living. I mean, the, the average hour number of hours worked has fallen by over 30 hours. Like, uh, well, maybe not, not quite as much as that. I think it's about 36, 37 hours. It was typically 61 or over that on a farm, you know, before the Industrial Revolution and even during the, the, the beginning stages. So that was due to the advance of industrial processes that made everything cheap, you know, the advance of capitalism. So I'm hoping the technology will save us. Um, certainly we've seen a massive reduction in poverty worldwide um, in 2015, it was announced that less than 10% of the world's population was in abject poverty for the first time in history. Still a bit further to go. So we can hope that um, good things are happening. But of course, I'm in the personal development sphere, as some people know. And, you know, I advise that people take charge of their own life because, yes, the state is oppressive, but most of the oppression in your life uh, are your own limits on yourself. You know, you can't be bothered taking exercise or eating well, uh, so you're not in shape, so everything feels difficult. Um, you self-criticize, you're not, you've got a dream, but you don't dedicate 20 minutes a day to pursuing your dream until you're used to doing that, so then you can bump it up to 40 minutes and then bump it up to an hour. You know, you're, you're, you don't learn about, you've got arguments with your spouse, with your kids, with your neighbours, you don't pick up a book to learn communication skills so that you can get better at, um, like, these are areas that are really very much in your control, and if you take charge of what you can control, what you can't control becomes into your power. You, you learn some serious skills and wisdom, people do notice, and they ask you or you get the opportunity to pass on that and help other people around you become strong and stand on their own two feet. Um, people, if you're not financially independent, that's a problem and something that's, that you know, that's more of a constraint on you nine times out of ten than the government because you can't even, you know, I don't know, something that would make you happy or get out of the country for a vacation and so forth. So I, I, all of these kind of topics is uh, leading uh, to a, a plug in fact uh, these are the, I cover these kinds of things on the Be Yourself and Love It podcast and I really encourage libertarians because we're all about freedom independent to get into like their own life and making it the best they can because it'll make you a positive influence on the people around you and if the worst happens you'll be so resourceful and skilled that you'll be a resource to people around you you know that's safety uh, security in a way and you uplift the world when you uplift yourself you can't help it you're an influence on the people around you you know master yourself master areas of your life and then teach the people around you to do it and the other bonus of that is people really listen to the people they admire so by doing that you become an admirable person and it makes you a great advocate for libertarianism and liberty and the world really needs our ideas right now I 
I agree with everything you just said. That was uh, that was well okay. that, that was well okay. put. There is something I, want, I wanted to ask you about. Um, a couple years ago, um, I, I want to say a couple years ago, but it could be as I can't remember when it was. When did they have the uh, Scottish independence vote? It was a couple of years ago. It was a couple of years ago. Okay. What, in your opinion, why do you think that didn't go through? You didn't wait long enough. <laughs> they should have held it back another five or ten years, and it would have been inevitable just by demographics. The young people were far more pro-independence uh, than the older generation. Why did people, I don't know, I think the older generation just had more of an affinity for Britain. From a libertarian perspective, there's two there's two ways of looking at it, and the libertarian community in Scotland is quite split over this. One is that, yeah, obviously having a smaller unit is more autonomy, and it's easier to get libertarian policies through a, a parliament in a country of five or six million than one of 60 million, 65 million. However, there's another side to the coin, which is that far more left-wing, far more status, far more big government than England does in their opinions. So some people believe Scotland would be a socialist hellhole and they were unionists for that reason. They wanted to stay in the UK for that reason. Now you could retort and say, well, Scotland isn't really going to be able to raise their council, their, their corporation tax much higher than England do because all the all the businesses will just hop over the border. So it's a back and forth. But, um, yeah, and that was just a bonus answer. I know that didn't directly speak to your question. No, that's no, that's fine. Um, do you think, well, one of the things I wanted to ask is, do you think it was because, and you talked about how older people were definitely uh, against Scottish independence. Do you think it has to do with that, uh, you know, the, the state the state retirement check, the state, you know, just being addicted to the state teat, you know, the... No, the, they'll get more, they'd get far more in benefits from an independence from the UK at large, I would imagine, because people are more into that up here. There's good things, I mean, people are more anti-war, potentially more anti-nuclear weapons and things like that, Um Scotland was overwhelmingly against the war in Iraq. I would they I don't know if that I think it's just an the I think it's the young people want a change, right? And independence promises utopia. And it's like if we were only independent, then we could and and, and you can pour all your dreams into that then we could. No, I didn't even vote in the Scottish independence referendum and the reason why is I didn't have a crystal ball and I think it would be arrogant of me to assume I knew which would be better so I abstained and it's like I just felt that everyone was making their decision based on emotional affiliation either to Scotland as a nationalist or to Great Britain as a nationalist. Personally, I feel both British and Scottish, even though I'm not a nationalist. I don't. Uh, I I always say I was born on a piece of land because if I wasn't, I would have drowned. So, you know, uh, I think that it's like it's a very it. Young people are fed up. It's hard to get a job. Uh, they've also been brought up to believe they're too good for work. Uh, working in a cafe or a bar or a, like like that somehow demeaning and oh it's so crap to have to work for a boss and so so forth uh, the minimum wage is high I would say and there's lots of labor laws so there's not a ton of job you know and they do feel insecure about their future the government's in huge amounts of debt they it's a, it's a hard time to be a young person I think it's like in many ways, we're more abundant and we've got more freedom than our parents had or that our grandparents had. We're richer, but it's precarious because having lots of choices to make also means lots of responsibility. And this is something that no about, but when I noticed that, I felt the need to share it, and I'll share it now. We don't actually realize how quickly we've had a transition where 
in the space of a few hundred years, right? You did what your parents did. You lived what your par- where your parents lived. You married who your parents said. Your income belonged to your... Fu- the fruit of your labor belonged to your feudal lord. Um, there wasn't any class mobility. Um, you had hardly a- any leisure time because you were working over 60 hours a day in a bar, right? Now we have responsibility for all of these areas. We've got responsibility for choosing our job, choosing our partner, getting along with our partner. We've got the responsibility of um, choosing what we do with our leisure time, which we've got lots of, and people sit and watch YouTube or Netflix, but they really have dreams that they're not pursuing and they feel bad about that because they're not as conscientious as they want to be. Every freedom we have in this sphere is a responsibility and it's a stressful time to be alive especially when they waste 11 to 13 years of your life in the mandatory education system where they teach you nothing that will help you go out and make an income for yourself I mean, Jesus, 13 years is sorry to take the Lord's name in vain, I know you're a Christian man Um, Um, you're not going to offend me, don't worry that's um, that's long enough to become a pianist. I don't believe that the only purpose of the education system is to prepare people for the workplace. But in all that time, you could have given everyone once twenty bucks an hour for. Now, whether they're going to stay in that job is inconsequential. At least they've got the security of knowing that they can get paid that until they figure out what they really want to do with their lives. And you know. Being 20, 22 years old is not too late to figure out what you want to do with your life. You know, so the thing is, people are robbed uh, outright of their childhood and teenage years in which they should be learning to become competent so that, you know, we've got this joke on the uh, Internet. I'm not ready to adult today. I'm not ready, you know, and it's a meme. But people genuinely feel like that. Millions and millions of people feel, I've just turned 30, I don't feel like an adult, I'm still not ready to get have kids, I still don't know what I'm doing with my life, I'm underachieving for my level of intelligence. It's not really a joke, this, I don't feel ready to adult today. It's like, it's a serious social problem. And that's my long-winded answer to why I think that the youth are for Scottish independence, because they think that somehow... Independence alone will be a magic utopia of flowers and unicorns where they'll be able to engineer their perfect society. That, the psychology of state. Yeah, that that's definitely not the proper motivation for wanting your independence. <laughs> the proper motivation mm-hmm. for wanting your independence is that you can stand up on your own two feet and you can take care of yourself and the people you love. I mean, it's just yeah, and it would be the opposite. Yeah, and that's and I I love what you said about I I honestly you know I believe libertarians. If you're going to call yourself a libertarian, especially if you're going to call yourself an anarchist, you better be you know (laughs) you you better be successful at whatever you choose choose to do. You know, it's incumbent upon it's incumbent upon you to do that. Because if you're not, you're just, you're, you're a faker. I mean, we're the, you know, we're the group that says, you know, we believe that the free market can provide everything. Well, what are you, contri- right. what's, what's your contribution to the free market? You know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, it, it's too much like people are playing, uh, you know, like, like there's almost, it's almost like there's some people that are just playing some people that are just playing libertarian or playing anarchists. So, um, so why don't you? Um, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a couple minutes to wrap up and uh, say anything. Any other messages you got for us? Yeah, I would just like to say, please download my free ebook, Procrastination Annihilation, for be from beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it. It's a great book. It only takes two hours to read, so you won't need to put it off. And it's got links to my YouTube channel, my podcasts, anything you want to know about me is in the book. And uh, you can feel free to email it to anyone that you know that suffers procrastination. Even if you're not procrastinator, there's definitely some good tips in there and becoming more productive and organizing your time better. So uh, that's the only thing. If, if people want to follow me, I'd love it if you downloaded my free ebook. You'll find everything else in there. 
Well, Anthony, this is a conversation where I actually felt for the first time in a while doing a podcast where I actually had a real conversation where, um, you know, hmm. we went back and forth and we talked, you know, we talked about challenging things, things that, hmm. you know, people don't want to talk about. And, um, you know, it, it sounds like, it sounds like we probably agree on like 95%. And, yeah. you know, then we, you know, we just need to discuss that other 5% and, uh, try and, try and figure out where, try and figure out if we can come up with a solution for it that, uh, that works for everybody. So, um, especially amongst anarchists. I mean, statists are gonna, <laughs> sta- you know, it's the meme, statists are gonna state, um, you know, we, yeah, the more, the, gonna stay. yeah, the, the more that we can, uh, the, the more that us as anarchists, libertarians, voluntarists, whatever we wish, however we wish to um, describe ourselves, the more that we can come together on certain things and talk them out, um, it's it's so much better for it's so much better for what we're what we're trying to accomplish. So I really appreciate talking to you, talking to you today, and uh, I hope uh, hope one of these days that I can talk to you you and your uh, you, you and your co-host on your show. And uh, see if For we sure. can see if we can hash some stuff out. Yeah, I'd love that um, myself. You know, uh, uh, thank you so much for having me on Free Man Beyond the Wall, and I really, really enjoyed the conversation too. And I loved how we covered such a diverse range of issues. Um, and I hope that your listeners enjoyed my appearance. So thank you so much for that. No problem, everybody. Uh, tune into the it's the Scottish Liberty Podcast. I got that right. That's it. Awesome. That's it. That's All right, man. It was great talking to you. You take care. You too. I want to thank you for tuning into the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. I want to thank Anthony for coming on today. I want to remind you about my book, Freedom Through Memedom. It's available on Amazon. I'll be coming back at you on the weekend with another podcast. So have a great week. Take care. Bye.